0: Welcome to We've Been Had, where we talk about albums and you listen to us in a stunned and maybe frightened state.
1: Bewildered, even. Yeah,
0: I mean, clearly. That's step one. I am Keith Pilly. And I'm Chad Cook. And the deal, as always, is we take turns picking an album and then we both dig into it. This time around, it was my pick and uh, we are addressing a ghost that has haunted this podcast since before we even started publishing it. Uh, We're talking about Husker Du's final album, Warehouse Songs and Stories. Tombstone on Warehouse, it was released in January 1987 on Warner's, part of the great, uh, just, I don't know what you'd call it, the uh, great tragedy of American indie bands going major in the mid 80s, and if they weren't called R.E.M., splattering against the wall within a few albums. It was recorded in 1986 at Nicolet Studios, uh, which is where I park next to every time I'm picking up Thai food. Um, and it was produced by Grant Hart and Bob Mould. Um, uh, how, how would you describe this one?
1: Well, so this is just given my comments that are gonna be forthcoming, this is gonna sound strange, but it is one of the more listenable Cruise Crudu albums from front to back in yeah. the catalog semicolon however comma <laughs> it uh the production on this just drives me crazy oh, we'll be talking it, it is produced like somebody who's trying to emulate the sound that comes out of walk like Sony Walkman's speakers.
0: <laughs> and it, I totally agree and it makes me it, it's so exact on that that it, it makes me wonder if there's just like if just The gear at Nicolette Studios just wasn't capable of better than Walkman's
1: sound. I don't know, it just doesn't, like, it has no low end. None, none. It's just, it's so tinny, it's, which is, you know, like, it's, so Keith kind of made reference to this, and I actually didn't even know this until he sent me this, uh, this article before the show, but that, that studio is actually right next to, uh, Pancho Villa. Yeah which yep. is a Mexican restaurant in the Twin yeah. Cities that has a wheel that you get to spin on your birthday. <laughs> it's a great place. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's a, it's a fantastic place. yeah
0: uh, yeah, no, I love like, um, I love that Nicolette studios is there and like it, you know, it's obviously it's been there the entire time I've lived here and I didn't know what it was, you know, and like I moved here because I was a who and replacement super fan basically. And like, I was walking by that thing for years and had no idea what it was. No, it looks like a post office.
1: Yeah. There's like no windows. It's yeah. just a, you know, nondescript building. This fucking rad
0: studio where, you know, the Hooskers recorded lots of their albums. The Replacements recorded lots of their albums. And it just looks. A
1: ton of local history. Yeah. And, I mean, this, of the Hoosker Du albums, I would say this has the most callbacks to Minneapolis.
0: That's a good point, yeah.
1: It might be the only one that has any callbacks to Minneapolis, but... That's, yeah, I don't know. But I imagine we will delve into
0: that. That's that's an angle I hadn't thought of. So, I... Uh, just... Blah, 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 blah. What I was going to say, I wanted to talk about like how this album fits into Husker Du's career, but I think the way you were talking about the production maybe makes it more sense to like how did you what was your way into Husker Credo? and like was this album part of it or were you
1: yeah so kind of backwards actually because I started with Candy Apple Grey okay uh, because growing up in the mid-90s I was a big like Soul Asylum fan like, yeah. oh you should check out who's do yeah and so I got Candy Apple Grey and then everyone said oh Zen Arcade is the album to have yeah and I, I think Zen Arcade has good songs on it but like as an album <laughs> it's very hard to listen it is
0: a tough sit um I love it, but it's a time talk- yeah. like I love it as a thing that's just out there. I don't love it as a listening experience. Yeah. I love individual songs as listening experiences.
1: But right. So I feel like I kind of went, I kind of went backwards, and mm-hmm. then I started to like listen to more Bob Mold solo stuff. Yeah. Um, and didn't quite circle back into the uh, Who's Your Do until I found the Living End. Yeah, um, which cheapo.
0: It it says a lot about a. It's amazing to me that Hooskurdoo is like one of the great bands and like the only album of theirs that's produced worth a damn is the Live. Yeah, album. no, it's criminal,
1: really. <laughs> it's um uh, and, and I think you know there aren't a ton of these songs on The Living End, but if you want to yeah. hear them performed, uh or wanna hear them mixed properly, like That's that's it's where you do it. Quite a bit better.
0: Yes. I it's funny. I my way in was um oh it looks like we're redlining a little. Um my way in was really just backwards too. Where like I heard Copper Blue
1: first. No, I probably. And, I guess I didn't even piece that together. I probably heard Copper Blue
0: first too. You know, and I was just like, "Holy shit, this is amazing!" <laughs> Augie. what go to your bed. Go to your bed go to your bed he's like
1: is someone gonna deal with this am i am i to put up with this
0: for the entire evening he's barking at the wrongness of listening to sugar first um yeah so you know for me it was like consciously like like husker do i had heard of them but they were like this legendary thing that you know um and i ended up getting warehouse at I think the Best Buy in St. Cloud, Minnesota, Ooh. Uh, font of great music. <laughs> right,
1: um, but so uh, you you would have had to. It was a considerable drive yeah. to get to...
0: You had to work. Yeah, for, which actually, like you know, like I you you appreciated a CD if you had to drive to St. Cloud for it. Hey, we had to drive to Des Moines to get the Best Buy. Yeah, it's, I mean, okay, there's open country there. Yeah, that's something. That's... Um, oh, but, so I mean, where I was going with that is. Um, I think if you were coming in from Copper Blue, like the best case scenario is to get Warehouse first because it's, you know, it's the the closest, you know, just in terms of
1: production. Yeah, it's kind of that like production. A, it's and like the, a baby from Black Sheets of Rain and Copper Blue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think I think the reason I chose Warehouse specifically, they had... I remember the Best Buy I had several albums, but I was like, "Well, this one has the most songs, so I'm getting the yeah. most bang for my buck." I mean uh, that
1: that's probably not a terrible way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I would be curious now. Like, obviously, you can't do this now, but like, what were what do you think the other albums they had were?
0: I can't remember. Um, I'm I'm sure they had Candy Apple Graves. Candy so Apple. I, yeah, I ended yeah, up getting be. it there too, and just based on cds that i got in morris and knowing that you know that was my source they must have had new day rising yeah that's a
1: pretty good pull though yeah so that's, that's actually i i would say that's probably my one of my favorites new i think, day Rising.
0: yeah i think that's probably the best of theirs um well and that's you know the other thing i wanted to talk about before we really get into the album was just for people who aren't like Husker du heads to just kinda of talk about this record, you know, in the broader context of Husker Du. So like this was their last record. It wasn't meant to be their last record. It wasn't, you know, it's not not like all shook down. Um, not even really like Anodyne where, you know, like it's pretty clear Ferrar knew that was Uncle Duplo's last album, <laughs> even if Tweety didn't. This one, like, I, it, you know, listening to Mold's memoir, it sounded like he thought they were going to keep going, and then just didn't,
1: and... Yeah, I think it, it's, it's hard, because, you know, I, I am a Bob Mould fan, uh, yeah. and, you know, I'm not, not a Grant Hart fan, but, you know, like, Grant Hart solo stuff has never really done much for me. Yeah. Um, not to speak ill of the dead, but... Uh, so it's like it's hard for me not to view these records as like mold v heart, yeah, and sort of split them up that way, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think one of the things that just listening to it here, it, you know, I think the best of both of them can come out when, yeah, you know, like mold has the scorching guitar, and then you've got another voice to kind of play off of
0: his. And their their voices work so well together. Like it's another one of those low high combos, and you know that. It's not that that's like the iron law the way it has to be, but that seems like that's frequently like a pathway to really good vocal harmonies. I think
1: just yeah, I think just differentiation. Yeah, you know, like there are some bands that I hear there are two people singing, but I can't tell <laughs> I can't tell the difference. So. Totally, yeah. It's kind of you know this. You can definitely tell who's singing and who's do Yeah, um, especially the one song that uh, the that the bassist plays.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's
1: I think there is only one, right?
0: Only one that I know of. Yeah. There might be something early because, like, really the stuff before Zen Arcade, like I've heard, but it doesn't stick. I'm, I'm a fancy boy whooskadoo
1: fan. That's right. You're the you're the nouveau riche of who'oskerdoo uh, yeah.
0: fans. New money du. Um But yeah, so you know, it, uh, again, like if you are by some weird. Chain of coincidence. Listening to this, but don't know like the tale of Oosker Do they? You know, they were Minneapolis hardcore band um, formed in about '80. Burned really hot on SST, and then jumped up to the majors. Uh, released an album on Warner's that nobody liked called Candy Apple Gray. <laughs> Uh, Then released this one, and there was like a lot of hype. There was like a lot of belief that they were gonna, you know, basically be Nirvana a few years early. And then uh, Grant Hart developed a heroin addiction, and that basically seemed to be it. And their manager killed himself, and just a lot
1: of. I think there were just a lot of circumstances that were kind of working against. And just, I think, you know, not really wanting to be around each other anymore yeah
0: that's i yeah i i was realizing as i was talking that i was like pinning it too directly on on heart and i don't think that's fair i think but i think like i think they're just tired of dealing with each other's shit and then that happened to be the particular thing of shit
1: yeah, yeah and it just it's it's sort of crappy because it like you know bob old went on to be a pretty successful uh artist in Sugar and then solo artist. Yeah. I mean, not like turbo successful, but successful enough.
0: He's not making McCartney
1: money, but right. he's making a living. Right. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's not making uh, he's not even making Ringo money. But, <laughs> yes. Uh, but, I mean, I think Grant Hart just sort of languished a little bit with yeah. substance abuse and there's this thing
0: where, like, it, it, I, I kind of picked this up anyway, but reading Mold's book really doubled it down. That, you know, he's just this very driven person who knows what he wants and, like, has a plan to get there and is going to get there. And, like, it's not that he's, like, an evil or bad person, but he's, you know, he's very, like, I got a plan, I'm going to stick to it. And that, you know, it's this weird thing where, like, I think that drive led to him being successful after the band you know he like he had the internal machine to keep it going but it also probably made him just a giant pain in the ass to be around then i think so you know i mean
1: if it's a fine line between being like super self-centered and being super driven yeah and you know i think very successful people are often over that line yeah i think that is correct but it uh, I, and I think I swear we've told the story a number of times, but one of the saddest moments in my f- first Avenue concert viewing was going to I can't remember if it was Sunbolt or Jay our solo, but one of the two, yeah. And Grant Hart opened, and it was just him with this shitty, <laughs> this one shitty amp and uh, guitar, singing like Hoosker Doo songs, and it was just I I was it was sad.
0: Yeah. It it really like it was just bad too because like like the whole one man with an electric guitar singing, accompanying yourself, like not too many people can do that well. And it's just like cosmically not fair that the person who can do that the best is Bob Roll. Yeah that is true. And You know, like if he had just done that with like a twelve-string acoustic, I think that entire show would have would sit differently in our heads, where we'd be like, "Oh my God, we got to see Grant Hart. This is great."
1: You know, if he like contacted Greg Norton and was like, "Hey, do you want to come out and play bass on this?" Yeah, like that would have been. I think that would have just something other than yeah. You know, the whole.
0: (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I, um, I don't know where else to fit this, but I just, I gotta put it in. A friend of mine in Boston has an insane Grant Hart story um, where Hart was traveling and somehow ended up staying in her apartment, like just crashing on her couch. And she was like, oh, this is great. Grant Hart's sleeping on my couch. This is so cool. Um, and she goes out in the morning then and sees her favorite coffee mug on the coffee table uh, with hearts, dentures floating oh. in them. <laughs> Jesus. And and you know, and he's just like, oh, what? What's you know? Uh, so yeah, I, you know, like I, in a way, like it's not that's not like a monster story. Like you need your dentures, you got to put them in something. Right. But it is just kind of a crap thing to be like, oh, this, you know, I was so excited for this, and oh, now it's kind of gross in there. <laughs>
1: It's like having, like, Chet Baker at your house or something. (laughs) Like, let me take my teeth out.
0: (sighs) Pretty, I don't know, pretty strange, pretty controversial. Um, Did you have anything, like, album-wide you wanted to talk to before we get into it? No, no, I think we hit all that. Oh, Aug's got a squeaker. Let's see if he...
1: He'll lose interest eventually.
0: Yeah, I... If he gets really bad, I'll and put him on a leash. He's, I, I think he's already done with it. Yeah, I think he'll crash pretty soon. Okay, so, well, if we dive into the album, um, I kind of structured my notes more by region than by individual songs, because...
1: You don't want to go through all 25 <laughs> songs individually?
0: Uh, you know, that would be... I, I, I think... I, I learned some lessons when we did The wall. Let's put it that <laughs> way.
1: Well, the wall is especially hard because it's, like, he'll just throw a track in there that's 14 seconds long. Yeah,
0: it's just just a voice on a TV talking. Uh, Okay, we uh, we are being beset by a Labrador here. I'm going to pause and...
1: Okay, we're back. Um, Yeah, so... Yes, yeah, so I'll be interested to see your how you've sort of regionalized this album.
0: I, I I'll spoil it now. I just uh, my notes at least are blocked in by the uh, sides of the record. Oh,
1: okay.
0: Um, you know, even though I've never experienced this on vinyl, I'm just I'm gonna pretend. I don't even know if I've ever seen
1: it on vinyl. Yeah, I don't know if I have either. It's uh. It's kind of hard to invest, at least for me, in vinyl for a record that you don't like the way it sounds. Like.
0: <laughs> well, and like a double album is really where the the um, I lost a word ease of use comes into play. You know, like I'll flip a record once, but
1: well, as someone who just got done listening to, for some reason, I thought it was a good idea to buy the Last Waltz. Huh? On vinyl, which is like four did you records, do that before Robertson died. Or? I did it before Robertson died, but I just listened to it again okay. last weekend as sort of a ah. tribute. And uh, yeah, really good. Uh, although listening to it in its entirety is a little bit of a chore.
0: Yeah, you. Another one where you're in for the haul.
1: That's I mean, right. That's
0: a that's a good haul, but.
1: Yeah, just, I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a, lot a lot of, you know, they, it's a great documentary. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I thought I needed to own it on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, I
0: I, 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 honestly think there is something to it looks good on the shelf.
1: Yeah, and it, you know? it's cool. Like it's, it's got like a, you know, it's got a color booklet that's, huh? you know, of shots from the, but like when the thing is a, moving picture, right? Yeah. You're, I'm like taken back to like when I was a kid and I had the, like I had the kiddie version of the Raiders of the Lost Ark on tape. Yeah. And then I had like a book that you would follow along. Yeah. Like that's kind of what it feels like. Like It's, (laughs) you're not,
0: (laughs) yeah. You're sitting there trying to picture the image. Right. Right. I gotcha. Um, back to warehouse though. Um, how about the fucking start of this? Like this, I love the way it, it, It kicks in wonderfully. It has this like, (sighs) this great sense of like, hey man, strap in. You're going to hear some songs and stories.
1: That's right. It's like, it's like, uh, I have my note was, it's like Springsteen's glory days just amped up.
0: Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think, um, I think that's a thing. I would not have put Springsteen together, but when you said that, like, I was really struck prepping this, how literal the album title is. Like, I remember when I bought it, I was a little worried by songs and stories because I was like, oh my God, is half of this going to be spoken word? <laughs> you know, and it was a relief that it wasn't.
1: But it's um, spoken word and it's a Jello Biafra. <laughs> but, uh,
0: but it, you know, all of the songs are written as stories and, like, and that's a very Springsteen-esque thing, and it—it's really a strength, I think. You know, and like they're all, sometimes they're like character pieces. Sometimes, like this one, I feel like is just kind of evoking a mood. But it's just—it's—I don't know. I—it's really impressive that they do that, and I, I guess their other albums are like this, but not as you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, like, I, I mean, I think the, the sort of uh, high-water mark for, like, storytelling albums is Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska, where each track is, like, its own story. Yeah. And, you know, that's, it, you know, it's not quite like that, but it's it does have those, the sort of, like, vignettes. That yeah. Are, you know, like, this one, just, the first song kind of takes you back to, like, you know, all the shit you thought was important when you were in high school. Yeah. That, like... Reflecting on it now, like was, was not important at all.
0: Yeah, but at the time, like holy shit.
1: Yeah, like it seemed like the biggest deal in the world. Yeah, but I just I'm always taken back by like, you know, like just how, Mold's guitar just rocks the shit out of this album.
0: A guy can play.
1: I, just, I wish it. I wish really it was. Play. I wish they'd like unleashed him in the production, which is yeah. weird because he was one of the producers.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that. Uh, yeah, you know that uh, I, all day today. I, you know, like I just knowing that we were gonna talk about the production of this, I was like trying to figure out how to how to articulate my beef with it. And I think it's just it's like the guitar and drums both are just
1: so flattened down under these narrow little bands. Even the bass, I feel like, is not. It's just sort of like muted.
0: Yeah. I don't I know. Just,
1: I I feel like it's. uh But there, I mean, there are some really good songs. Oh, for sure. Especially on this first, on that first side.
0: That that that, the run from you know, I would say up to Ice Cold Ice, like those are all just fucking apex jams of different types.
1: It, uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, you know, standing in the rain is sort of like if you were to say, give me one song that encompasses Bob Mold. Right. It's got searing guitar. Yeah. It's about getting effed over by a romantic partner. <laughs> yeah. And it's got like a good degree of anger and rage. Yeah. Like, you know, if Bob, if you wanted to reduce Bob Mold to a mathematical equation,
0: I think that would be it. <laughs> that is such a good song, too. Just, I love the way, I, you know, rhythmically, it's really cool. I know Mold wrote it, but um, I don't know. Just like, Comparing Husker du to Mold's post-Husker du work, like, there's just, there's cool rhythmic shit happening in Husker du that, you know, even his, even though his post stuff is great and, you know, he plays with great drummers, like, no one else, I don't know, like, Grant Hart just puts this cool stamp on a song. Um, you know, Eiffel Tower High on Candy Apple Grey has the same kind of dot, 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 dot. Quarter note thing going on, but like they've perfected it here in this way. That's just,
1: just another cool, song, so. Eiffel Tower High. That would be an absolute banger if you just, if you just produced it differently yeah. and like, sped it up. Yeah. Like, because the, I mean, the words are kind of stupid. So, like, you, you gotta, gotta play it.
0: They're not great.
1: You but. gotta play it fast enough so people can't hear the words. Yeah.
0: So that's as much as the. Okay, actually, so circling back on the production thing kind of like a couple of things there is that like i've got very specific beefs with the production of warehouse but i think it sounds a million times better than candy apple gray it's like candy apple gray is also thin
1: but it just has this like gloss on it that yeah i think and i wonder if that was like them trying to be more mainstream i think it was for sure like you know like that sounds like it's produced to be played out of car speakers. Yeah. And yeah. car speakers in like yeah. the late
0: 80s. Yeah, my old AMC spirit. Right. Um, oh, God. There was something else I was going to say about... I, I don't remember what. I know um, there's a production trick that I think shows up for the first time on Candy Apple Grey and is all over Warehouse and then all over... You know, like, the golden age of Mold Solo, where he, like, suddenly tracks himself a shitload of times vocally. And so, you know, so, like, he's, like, chorus singing with himself.
1: It's like the uh, Siamese dream. Yeah. That's what um, they should call that. That's <laughs> the Butch Vig.
0: Oh, but they, these guys were doing it first. I, I guess that's true. Butch I Vig's mean- stealing it from them. Yeah. yeah. I You know, another timing thing. I'm sorry, we're just, like, hopping around all over the place here, but... Uh, thinking back, so like if the idea was that this, if Husker Du being on a major label was supposed to, you know, the hope was this was going to be Nirvana four years early. Um, Or, you know, I guess five years early because they, they, they hoped Candy Apple Grey would be the big seller. But it's fucked up to me how close they came. You know, like yeah. at the time when I heard about this, this record seemed like it was in the ancient past. But, but really, like when Nevermind broke, this was not an old record. This, you know, four years is nothing.
1: And I th- and I think you know, in, like a lot of things in life, I think you know, there's an element of luck and timing. Yeah. And you know, they just weren't. You know, I I remember hearing "Smells Like Teen Spirit." On the radio and being like, "What? What is this? This yeah. is amazing."
0: I always, I, I, like, I thought it was okay, but I just thought it was okay. I just, I yeah. thought it sounded
1: like, you know, you, you probably had a more like a, a more uh, sort of developed ear.
0: I, I don't think so. I think, I, I, I think I just luckily happened to be really into the Pixies then.
1: Yeah. So if I had heard the Pixies, I think I probably would not have liked.
0: I mean, it's not even that I didn't like him. I was just like, well, yeah, this is a pretty good band that, you know, like, I, I just, I didn't see what was so
1: new. You, yeah, I think if you if you were exposed to things like the Pixies and, and you know, Who's Your Do or so, anything else other than, you know, classic rock and then like hair metal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that was the difference for me is, you know, I just didn't I never had like that I never had an older brother. I never had, like, I don't want to, you know, it's not, I didn't, I had very cool friends. I didn't, you know. You had shitty friends. <laughs> Your friends were lame, man. Our friend Tom was actually, like, one of the bigger influences on my musical taste because he's. He was always, you know, out there like exploring yeah. new stuff. There's always like one guy like that. Yeah, usually, and he was just at that point he was just like really into Led Zeppelin, and that was all he was listening yeah. to. So,
0: well, I mean that was that was appropriate for the time. Yeah, yeah. Place. for sure. Uh, um, swinging back around to this, you know, I suppose like the production is probably part of why this wasn't Nirvana four years early, because you know smells like teen spirit does have a brightness to it that this just doesn't um you know and i don't i don't know that i mean i guess if this had been produced like copper blue maybe something could have happened then you know maybe these songs are too mature to be hits on the level of smells like teen spirit you know like smells like teen spirit is a great song but these most of these are kind of like broody songs about adult concerns you know like teens don't really get pumped up about like i was gonna meet my boyfriend and he missed his bus and i got screwed and you know like that's
1: until emo came around (laughs) true
0: well okay so that is a thing that um i think i always thought i thought at the time and like i felt this has kind of been backed up you know as time has come along that what set Husker Du apart from the other hardcore bands, like what made them better to me, was that they had this like intensity of feeling that wasn't all anger. You know, like they just, they really cared. And like some of that caring was fueled by speed, but they still like, they really cared. And uh, you know, they don't sound like an emo band, but they are kind of emo in spirit,
1: I think. For sure. I Uh, mean, I think they're... You know, they're a hardcore emo band and Yeah. they're, you know, like, and I feel like we keep coming back to this just in life that it, when you're in, you know, there's sort of this toxic masculinity aspect where, you know, like if you show any feelings other than anger or rage, you're a pussy. Yeah, totally. And, you know, like that's sort of what d- drove you know, a lot of punk and hardcore bands.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean that um, that article about Steve Albini. Yeah. that I sent you like um, I don't think he ever put that word on it, but I think that that was driving you know the young asshole phase of Steve Albini. It was like that exact like I cannot present anything to the world except this like angry wise ass, and so I'm going to be as big a dick as possible. To present that, and like that's just that's no good. Yeah,
1: and I mean, good on Steve Albini for trying to trying to resurrect his image. But.
0: Yeah, I you know I I'm impressed with his ownership of it, but but I mean
1: he he was an asshole for a long time. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> like I mean, you know you can't it takes a, it takes a while to. You know, like I, I'm impressed with that he can look back at it now and say, you know, like I was an idiot. I was, I didn't, you know, like I didn't think these things through. Yeah. But like some of the stuff that he said was just beyond the pale. Pretty terrible. I, you yeah. know, you you never well so.
0: You can never take back that you were in a band called Rape Man, but I guess he gets. Something back for acknowledging that? Yes, I know. I can never take back that I was in a band called. You know, like, like also in a band called R N Word Run. Yes. Again, you cannot take that back, and I mean, I. Yep.
1: You no, know, I am. I am someone who likes a good troll, but. But I feel like that is, I, it's pretty easy to see where that line is. Yeah. At least to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I
0: well so and then in mold's memoir i thought like to me like the most fascinating thread in that book was him talking about being gay and you know some like varying levels of closeted you know like less and less as time went on in like this just like macho aggro yeah you know hardcore world and like i just it's funny to me that like when I was younger, I, I looked specifically at Bob Mould, and you know this is another case of me looking at someone like, well, this guy must really have life figured out. You know, just he seems like he's so he just has his shit together so much, and like you know, I kind of now I feel like what we were looking at was a guy who was like working frantically just to like keep himself together in a series of difficult situations.
1: I also... Another interesting thing from his autobiography is that he didn't want... One of the reasons that he didn't want to tell people he was gay is he didn't want people recontextualizing his work from that lens, which I thought was yeah. an interesting thing to say. Like, you know, like, because it's, it's kind of hard not to do that, yeah. honestly, but it, uh, it's interesting that that was something that was, like, actively kicking around in his brain.
0: Well, and, you know, I think... I can't remember when I learned that he was gay. Um, You know, I guess it would have been roughly when the spin story came out. And so, you know, I I remember there was a point where I was processing, like, oh, Mold's gay. And I was was in, like, the liminal period where I would have told you that I was, you know, very progressive and open-minded. But I was still kind of shedding having grown up, you know, in an extremely homophobic little fucking isolated town. And so, you know, like, I was just kind of (sighs) discarding a lot of baggage then, too. And I I just, I remember, like, thinking about, you know, it was a thing that, like, learning that mold was gay and, I guess, recontextualizing songs like Standing in the Rain You know, that was, like, kind of a very easy pathway to realizing, like, well, it, like, it doesn't fucking matter. The genders in a relationship don't matter. Like, it's a fucking relationship. And, like, don't, like, there's no need to exoticize anything.
1: Um, I mean, I think the fact that, you know, we can empathize with the feelings that he's going through, or or everybody can empathize, unless you're an sociopath, I guess. (laughs) Can empathize is is all the proof you need, right? Yeah, like yeah. The feelings are feelings. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter the gender of the of the other party.
0: Yeah, and so like, I I understand his hesitance about people recontextualizing, but you know, like I, I guess for me personally, it ended up being a useful exercise. Like, yeah, me I, too. I, I think I grew from thinking. About I mean, that. I
1: wish I, I wish I didn't need that. Um, yeah. but. You know, like I mean, I grew up, and I didn't grow up in a small town, but I grew up in a, you know, a pretty conservative suburb yeah. that where like people didn't talk about stuff like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but you know, so sort of back to the album. Yeah. Do you have any? So in the song, like back from somewhere. Yeah. They talk about City Center. Fuck right, they do. Do you have any memory of of anything positive going on at City Center? Uh, uh, yes,
0: but only because of that song. And I just, I, I heard this. Um, yeah, my early ideas of what life in Minneapolis was like was very colored by this album. And so, you know, I just, I remember driving from Morris to Minneapolis to go to some show at First Ave. Um, and I needed, you know, I was hungry and there was a food court in City Center and so I just thought it was the coolest fucking thing in the world to, I got to eat you know fucking Leanne Chin at <laughs> City Center just like Grant Hart said um, so yes, that's one positive thing
1: there's, there's also like a Hold Steady song where he talks about like City Center being like the center of their scene Yeah, and I'm like I mean I know they're a little bit older than us But, I mean, by the time I got to downtown Minneapolis, like, City Center was, like, a shitty mall that had, like, not even a Barnes & Noble. It had, like, a B. Dalton. Yeah. You know, like, it was not, there was nothing going on there. Yeah. So, I feel like I've missed kind of this, like, touchstone moment in... There's another place uh, there's a Chinese restaurant in downtown Minneapolis called the Nankin. Yeah did you ever go there? I think so so I don't think I ever went there because people would always talk about like they had this like super strong drink called the Wanderer and there's like this Twin Cities mythology about like you go you go to the Nankin and, yeah. and have the Wanderer and then just sort of see what happens. <laughs> and like not only did I never do that, like we used to go to a different shitty Chinese restaurant. the red dragon dragon. yeah um and like nothing cool like that ever (laughs) happened to me i don't know i i
0: I remember our friend ben mythologizing the the drink i think it was called the red dragon at the red dragon
1: he did say that if you drink three red dragons you'll see the red dragon but that never happened
0: to me (laughs) we can mythologize drinks anywhere oh i don't know um Uh, so looking back at these early songs one other thing I had um, Charity Chastity Prudence and Hope yeah song I always I always liked it but I've got these two weird complications where I always really liked the bass part and thought like wow what a really cool sense of Greg Norton you know like asserting himself and playing this cool counter melody and it's cool to be the bass player in a trio because you've got more to do and then like you know (laughs) Find out. Mold played the fucking bass part.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I. That was one of my takeaways from the Bold book was that uh, like Greg Norton really feels like kind of a punching bag. In
0: that, yeah, in that uh, book, which is not fair because I, I. I mean, it it feels not fair. Maybe if I knew him, I'd be like fuck that guy. But he always seemed cool.
1: So I thought, I thought it would be the line. It was his aluminum that attracted her to him that you liked.
0: Well, uh, so that was the other complication that like. I think the whole song, like it's really witty and, and that line is great. Um, All the lines are great. Like Grant Hart's pretty funny, but it also does hit me. Like the song's kind of mean, you know, it feels like Grant Hart making fun of homeless people, or at least being very judgment, judging
1: about them. It does. It does feel that way. Although, I mean, I don't, I I don't know that aluminum is particularly magnetic. So I don't know (laughs) if that's a great, analogy
0: no well so i think i I think the story of the song is um they met one one day she met a man digging through the the trash for cans um so he had a bunch of recyclable cans and they go and they take them all and get cash and then they go and put the money in the trunk and buy a bunch of worthless junk and then they're back where they began Digging through the trash for cans,
1: but still though, like. So it's the money that's attractive yep. to her. It was his aluminum that so attracted like that's, her. You know, like I think he's trying to be too clever. Right? I like, see what
0: you're saying. I I got you. Like, I was. You know,
1: it's like just being very literally. I I I missed
0: that level of literality. It's not I got like it's know. not a
1: particularly magnetic metal. So. I got you. Yep. You know, like if he had said it was his, you know, like chromoly or steel or something.
0: (laughs) They were out scrapping.
1: Right, yeah, like I'm just being difficult. I,
0: I, that's okay, you know, I needlessly explained the plot of a song that I'm sure you knew. Um,
1: I get it now. Oh. Before we finish with this side, I will say that uh, the version of Ice Cold Ice on the living end is so much better. I mean, if you want to hear what that song should sound like, yeah, go straight to that.
0: There's this. There's this thing in the liner notes, on the Living End, where the guy Luigi Odano, says that uh, he thinks of Grant Hart's drums as punching holes in the noise, and like that's what you get on the intro on the Living End, and like on the album, it's it's fine. It, this is like the first for me. For me, this album is like all killer until you get the ice cold ice. And then, like, it's fine. It's a good song, but it's not, you know, the other ones are all just like Pantheon and. Yeah. yeah it's cold ice. It's okay. It's a, you know, like Minneapolis.
1: Do you, feel, do you feel like sometimes, and this is, I'm jumping one song ahead to You're a Soldier. Yeah. But do you feel like Grant Hurt's, like, kind of boyish voice. He's got, like, kind of a sing-songy delivery. Yeah. yeah. It sort of masks, like, a really dark song.
0: It's pretty dark.
1: And like, I, you know, I... If, if I'm being honest, I usually would skip over that song. Uh, because it's between Ice Cold Ice and Could You Be The One. Huh? But, uh, you know, I'm listening to it in the prep, I'm like, man, this is dark imagery here. Yeah. I, I... It, it,
0: musically it's really cool too because this is one that like all the pieces kind of fitting together there's just like this mechanistic thing to it that I guess they did some but not usually this far um, I just I, I love I don't know I, I, I like it it's it's not like tippity top but it's pretty fun It to me like there was always this reputation that Hart was the hippie of the band and so like of course he's the one who's you know calling out i just think about we live in a world where for at least the last 22 years you are the devil if you do not support the troops to the max level at all times you know and like in this context it's really interesting to hear a song that's just like yeah you're a soldier fuck you what are you what are you doing
1: what war are they protesting though like the Falklands
0: uh Grenada I think just
1: Just, yeah I guess there is a there is a song on one of the early like maybe land speed record era that's called MIC like military industrial complex yeah so maybe it's just a general comment
0: I think that's the idea I so there's the line you were saying you're talking about how dark it is. I yeah. I have actually always projected a touch more darkness on this. I think, where there's the line, um, can you tell me just how many did you kill today? I thought it was how many kids you killed. That's today. what I have always thought too, and like the internet claims, it's did. Oh, okay. But kids, kids is darker. Kids I, is darker. I think it's sure. a better line if you go darker.
1: Yeah, I mean either way, it's yeah sort of a like I liked the patrolling the world with your little boy face and a grown up gun that shoots. Yeah. Like it's really I mean it you know, I think of Grant as Grant Hart as sort of a you know, he's you know, mold's the serious one and you know, Greg Norton's kind of the guy who's just there to <laughs> just there to have a good time. Yeah. And uh, you know, Grant Hart's sort of in between. Yeah. But this one is well, I mean, it's pretty Pretty
0: funny, yeah. I I am into it. I you know.
1: I'm into it. And so I apologize. I actually didn't write down where the sides end. You son of a bitch. So I I may be spilling over into yeah. side two.
0: That's okay. We're yeah, we are on disc one side two now. Uh, want to take a quick beer yeah, refresher yeah, let's break? let's do it. And. in um so the rest of disc one side two um i don't know what do you think any thoughts on could you be the one i I love
1: could you be the one that is a great jam it's like a proto black sheets of rain
0: yeah
1: it's like a i mean it's again if we're if we're talking about our our mold equilibrium it's Uh, got you know love loss (laughs) great guitar i love the solo
0: on this it's so like just kind of off-kilter, like it sounds like someone trying to walk along, balancing holding something, and just kind of keeping it together
1: it's uh you know, I I was looking for, and I I love Could You Be The One, but I was looking for a good joke to make about Too Much Spice and Dune (laughs) and I honestly don't think I can come up with unless it's like a cautionary tale about (laughs) Dune
0: Dude, your eyes are so blue. Right.
1: It too much spice, dude. But I think I mean it's not it's not a great song, but I I, I do I do like it because it's like it's sort of what makes it's a good encapsulation of what makes Who Screwed work for me. It's like yeah. you just kinda let Bob Mold Hall on guitar. Yeah. And then, you know, you you sort of fill in the fill in the vocals. Yeah.
0: I I kinda I bounce back and forth between thinking like I like to me, too much spice really feels like it is Grant Hart painting a picture of someone in his life who you know is just like taking it too far, um, and the specificity of it is really interesting, but at the same time, it's also just kind of the archetypal like perfectly okay Grant Hart song, like it. I don't I don't hate it, but it's not you know he he does so much better work on this
1: record i am going to try to work that into just my everyday lexicon of too much spice i'll just be like too much spice dude too much spice so
0: i had never caught this until just now but it's interesting that um too much spice and friend you've got to fall you know like one's a heart song one's a mold song but they both feel like they're like addressing somebody and saying like all right hit the brakes fuck it yeah tap the brakes and the weird thing is friend you've got to fall does kind I don't think it is, but it does feel like it could be mold you know, telling Hart to tap the brakes. Um, just kind of knowing the context. Um I don't know. You know, it probably isn't,
1: but I just I've always liked that line, there's nothing wrong with having aspirations. There's nothing wrong with walking tall. Yeah. I don't know. It just is, it's a friend you've got to you've got to follow is much more of a banger than uh, too much spice. It is, it is. Um,
0: but then it's followed. Visionary is, I think, the least essential track on Warehouse.
1: I think, uh, I think you would say acceptable. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I mean, I'm trying to think of what you would, what you would even. It, it's just not. Like, saying it's, like, good but not spectacular is giving it too much praise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is there, and it's in key. It's the Troy Hudson. <laughs> of, that's a Timberwolves reference for you old, the old-timers.
0: Timberwolves deep cut. But on the other hand, okay, um, I would like to spend some time talking about She Floated Away. Because, like, to me, I mean, I was hooked when I got this record. You know, these important important yeah these important years. I was like, okay, I'm on board. And the, the whole like great run at the start. I was like, yeah. But I just I remember getting to she floated away and just being like, what the fuck? That is, I just I love this song
1: so much. Yeah, it might be my favorite Grant Hart song on the album. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I and I love when Bob Mold hauls ass on guitar, but he does a good job on this one of kind of like stepping back. Yeah, and just playing like, like sort of like a sonic distortion in the background.
0: I was kind of amazed. So like for, for literal decades, I thought this song was just too cool to be learnable. And like it's it's just in the past couple of months that I've actually learned how to play it. Um, and it's not hard at all. It's a really easy song. But like in the process of learning it, you know, and also like listening deeply, I was kind of amazed to realize like. Mold not only doesn't play, there's no guitar solo, but he doesn't even really play any lines. Like, it's just chords, and like the only differentiated notes that you hear are a fucking vibraphone or a marimba or something.
1: But um, I mean, that's what I kind of like about it. Is yeah. That it's like he's sort of like you've got a guy who's a, you know, like apex predator guitar player. Yeah. You know, kind of like coming back to the pack and sort of playing this just bed of. You know, background. Yeah, it's just awesome.
0: I was talking earlier about cool rhythms, and like this one, definitely. You know, just rhythmically, this song is not like any other hardcore song I know by any band. It's, I mean, it's in three. It's got that like, I guess it's kind of jazzy if you just like pay attention to the rhythm. But when you've got fucking mold hitting a guitar for it, it doesn't sound jazzy.
1: I, mean, I guess that's probably something we should touch on. Is like the distinction of you know, I remember when when our band Could Be Your Life came out yeah right and I'm like I'm gonna get into all these hardcore bands because I really like Who's Gurdue and I really like The Replacements yeah and like a lot of the other bands just they're not good songs yeah like <laughs> you know, I think The Replacements and Who's Gurdue just are, it's a lot more listenable yeah in terms of like you know same ethos and everything, and which I think what the book was organized around is yeah. sort of the like the you know ethos of of that particular scene. But my God, like I, I feel like this is what makes Who's Who do better for me is that like this is a these are really well crafted songs.
0: Yeah, and there is there's like this just buried under all the fucking righteous noise and aggro there's like this pop sensibility that you know that just <sighs> Mission of Burma doesn't have um, yet <laughs> <laughs> aren't they're still going aren't For they Sure. so I mean you know th- their day could come uh, but you know like deep down Mold and heart want to write songs that people want to listen to. you know like I don't know. It's it's weird. Like it didn't surprise me at all in Mold's memoir to hear him talking about how he fixated on 45s from the mid 60s, you know, because like you can kind of hear that like early rock, you know, like got a really catchy single thing. Like that is buried down in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be the Beatles, Yeah. but you can be... But, I mean, the Beatles were influenced by, you know, like, Little Richard and... You know, like... Yeah. It it can be a good-sounding song and still kick ass, Yeah. It doesn't have to be excruciatingly painful.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I love... I I think that's part of the magic of Husker Du, that they managed to, like, be a... Aggressive enough to maintain credibility in the hardcore world while also Being listenable while also having that emo side that like allowed for human experience other than you know, <laughs>
1: anger Which which is weird that they weren't more popular right because that yeah. checks a lot of boxes
0: Well, I, I think that I think I think this is the thought process that was going through yeah. warners, you know, I think I it, I always kind of thought this, and then Mold's book made it clear. Like they thought that they were signing the future, and
1: yeah, yeah I and I mean they were from my perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not the I'm not the average consumer.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. That's it's it's tough to when you can buy this or warrant cherry pie. <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do? Yeah. I always there's this. Interview with Janie Lane from Warren that always kind of sticks with me where he talks about, um, when cherry pie came out. So he talks about, you know, this is him talking years later and he says like cherry pie came out and he went, I don't remember which label they were on, but, um, he went to the label's office and like the the lobby was like a, the they had a giant blow up of the cover of Cherry Pie on there, you know. He's like, "I'm king of the world, yeah, man." Warrant, we are the thing. And then he went back, like a couple of months later, and the same lobby there was a giant blow up of um, I don't remember which REM album it is. I think it was, it was Out of Time ish, like that era. You know, and he says that like, he just walked in then, and he just knew, like, oh, fuck, the, the jig is up.
1: <laughs> that's, I mean, that's actually kind of an awesome amount of self-awareness.
0: Yeah, I was really impressed. Um,
1: but, but, like, I, I can just see him walking in there, like, you know, peacocking on his way in and just being like, ah. Uh, oh,
0: no. I don't know. Ugh, anything else on any of the... no. Um, no. Let's, okay. let's move on to Bed of Nails. Bed of Nails. Oh. Uh, another... So, there's this thing where, like, in Mold's memoir, he talks about, like, yeah, you know, Warehouse could have been a great album if we'd cut a little bit. And when I got to that line in the memoir, I was like, fuck you, Bob Mould, you're wrong. <laughs> but, you know, then, like, Bed of Nails, yeah, you could have cut it.
1: I have some habits.
0: <laughs> it's not... It's. just
1: It's uh so this is this is kind of an aside, but they have this concept in major league baseball called the forty man roster. So okay. like the forty players, major league and minor league that are protected. Yeah. And uh often GMs will say, Well we don't wanna cut anyone off the forty man roster to bring somebody in oh. and, and the response is always give me a pencil <laughs> <laughs> And I feel like bed of nails bed of nails would be the like, yep don't
0: need this uh, there's I have been at very high levels of super fandom for this record and I've just never been a fan of this song. I, the thing that's weird is like I I've always felt like I'm like kind of 5545 mold heart on my fandom.
1: Yeah, I'm like 80 20
0: <laughs> I but but if I look at this record, and I I've got the pencil out. Most of the songs I would cut are mold songs. Like
1: Yes, I would agree with that, but I would also say most of the songs that you'd identify as like just epic are also mold songs.
0: I don't know. I I mean many of the mold songs are epic, but many of the heart songs are epic. I don't know if maybe standing in the rain is as good as she floated away, but I I mean
1: yeah, maybe not. I mean, I think the it's also sort of maybe it's not fair to either of them, but you've got on the heart songs you've got Bob Mold playing guitar, and you know on the mold songs you've got Grant Hart singing, you know, backup vocals so. and playing the fuck out of the drums. Right. Like accretive, they're accretive with each other. Yes, so it's, like like a, it's
0: always bigger than the sum of the parts. Yeah, like for sure. Um. Tell you why tomorrow, like not great, but I appreciate how weird it is. Yeah, it's I kind of.
1: I guess I like. I just the way the bass is like just muted just drives me crazy. Like, yeah. I. Uh, I do skipping ahead. I do think it's interesting if you read Bob Mold's autobiography. Uh, the line you've got to learn to compromise to live inside others' lives, like that is not. What I would say is a <laughs> skill that Bob Mold is outstanding at.
0: He's telling himself,
1: that. <laughs> right? It's, like, <laughs> it's aspirational. <laughs> like it's it's clear that that's something that he's trying to work on.
0: So the funny thing is, so song is it's not peculiar, and like that is another of just my favorite who's Du songs. Um, and weirdly, like I just find that song. I don't know why, but I feel like that song is just full of, like, good advice for life. And, like, I am a person who very much values compromise. And I think part of it is from just, like, listening to that line so much. And
1: So yeah. don't let him fool you. Keith is a tyrant in every <laughs> aspect of his life. That's right.
0: People cower when I That's come right. around.
1: He, he rules by fear and intimidation.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, for me, like, the last year and a half of grad school um you know when i felt like i was just like stretching myself thinner than i could stretch i just i had i literally several times a day would just in my head hear bob mold saying like taking all of this is taking all of me
1: yep that is life i mean i think that is sort of that that's sort of the benefit of music for me is it like It puts towards feelings that I'm experiencing that I can't quite, like, put my finger on. Yeah. Like, so, you know, like, I wouldn't think to say that, but hearing it really, you know, speaks to what I'm feeling.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. And, yeah, and then, you know, and there's the music next to the words providing this, like, extra emotional color. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, and so, excuse me. The knock on warehouse is that it's too long. And like I know where people are coming from. you know, like we've, we were just talking about what songs we'd cut. But I feel like the strength of the record is it is so long, but so good that the length lets you kind of find songs later. And like this was, this was one that I think I had been listening to the record for a year before I really fixated on like, no wait, it's not peculiar. It's a great song.
1: And, I mean, I think it just... And, I mean, nobody does this anymore because, it's like, I'm old. But, yeah. like, there there aren't that many records that you can put on and just run. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. this is one that you could do that with.
0: Yeah, you can just take the journey.
1: And I don't know. There's something to be said for that. Like, I always I always appreciated that about this album. It totally. You now, if you're driving somewhere, right? Like, pre, you know... <laughs> Pre-Spotify playlist, pre iTunes. Yeah. You know, like you only have limited number of CDs. This is
0: a CD that will reward you yes, in the car. Yeah.
1: Put it in and you can, you know, drive to Mankato or yeah. whatever. You
0: were you are set for the next hour and nine minutes. Yep.
1: What do you think of actual condition? So I actually think it's it's like kind of a fun, stupid song. Yeah. That's like a break from the vibe of the album. Yeah. It's sort of like on Hootenanny, the replacements album, Hootenanny, where they yeah. throw a Buck Hill in there. Yeah. And it's like, you're just like, what, 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 what is, what <laughs> where
0: did this come from?
1: Yeah. Like, it's just a, like a, it's like a palate cleanser. Yeah. I hated
0: it when I was, when I was young, like in my, my early days of this record, I was like, actual condition sucks. And it is proof that Grant Hart is, you know, the secondary talent. And like, now I just, I love it. And actually wish that they had done, an entire, e- either the band or just Grant Hart had done an Americana album.
1: Yeah. So like, the, it's interesting. And this is jumping ahead, uh, to a song, uh, to a song on side four, but like you can live at home to me sounds like a talking head song. Yeah. I can totally hear that. Like it, it's like you can almost, you can almost feel like Grant Hart sort of breaking out of this like hardcore mode and, yeah. you know, wanting, to, trying to do these other things that, and I, like, you know, it's like, I don't love those songs, but that it's kind of cool when you think about it in context. And...
0: Yeah, and, it, you know, it feels like, like, Hart's solo work never lived up to his who Do work. And he's, there are so many weird, like, buds of ideas growing out of him here that, like, you just, you wish... That the band had stuck together for another record, just to hear him be able to like explore this shit with the Doom machine. With
1: competent musicians surrounding him.
0: Yeah, like it really could have. Um, you know, actual condition in particular. Like I also love his vocals. Have the like the Sun Records super reverb on them. Yeah, and it
1: sounds great. And it does sound cool. Like that. That is just a that's a really cool effect. It's weird that like that piece of it is really well-produced. Yeah, you're right. Um, they got that, but they couldn't make the guitars sound good. I feel like the, they kind of... They loosened up a little bit on the back two sides because you also yeah. have that... Uh, which song is it? Turn It Around that has, like, like a synthesizer? A fucking
0: wall of synthesizer <laughs> just <laughs> out of nowhere.
1: And you're just like, what? Is, yeah. What is going on here?
0: I, I, I love... like i love the exact thing you're talking about like just the sense at this point you know you're like 50 minutes into the record and it just it feels like you're like hanging out and just watching these guys like come up you know just like oh fuck let's try this
1: yeah. let's what's and it's interesting just in the context of like you know hardcore is very rigid in terms yeah. of like you know like they're just there are like rules but like it all kind of set me i mean maybe they're maybe they're
0: rules i mean there they're are definitely like,
1: norms yeah and and it's like you can just feel you can just feel them be like bug it <laughs> it's, <laughs>
0: it's synth time we're, bitches. We're, we're doing this we're going in yeah i that is it's weird because like turn it around is not a song that i love but I would go as far
1: as saying it's not a good song, but it's fun.
0: It's fun. I love the synths. I love... There's this spot... The spot where Mold is like, I may not be anything, and you might be the biggest thing. Like, I... Okay, I was kind of, like, operatically mocking it there. But, like, the way he sings it, I love how raw he sounds there. Like, you kind of have to have the Bob Mold wall of cred to sell that line.
1: (laughs) But but I mean even the, even the synth sounds it sounds like, like a 80, one of those little 80s like Casio key. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> like, it was not, it's like it's not even like a proper synthesizer it's like, fucking Husker <laughs> it's not like they've got <laughs> you know, a cool
0: synth rig over in the next room I'm sure it's just
1: <laughs> but it's like we got we got some extra time in the studio let's plug this guy
0: in. guys let's do it let's try this
1: oh uh, I don't know yeah like, uh, so have we moved to side four? or are we yeah
0: let's just because I mean no reservations it's it's another one I would cut <laughs> that's
1: really, really not a good song
0: at all it, it it is there to make mold have more songs than heart and that's kind of what it's got
1: I feel like I do feel like though up in the air is kind of a buried track oh yeah like I kind of like that yeah. I, like I think it's a underrated song yeah. like it, it's sort of a reward for making it. Uh, that, this far in the album
0: it's kind of the, the, the this is the thing with like the length of it you know like you the fact that there are good songs at the end of this they're just kind of like they're waiting for you to discover when you've got the you happen to have the stamina to like still be noticing songs at the end of this I Up feel- in the Air is good she's a woman and now he's a man like I just I love the kind of you know, like like the middle of this record is so just turbulent. and like that song just kind of to me at least like radiates calm
1: in this just love, you know, lovely chill vibe. so, so I always read that as like, she's a woman, and now he's a man, yeah, I think you're right. And like, you know, like, like, oh, this is what it took.
0: Yeah. this again. You know, I, I don't know. I'm you know, completely projecting my own thoughts. But to me this feels like Hart describing people in his life. Um yeah, I, I don't know if he's actually doing that, but it feels like he is, and the songs that it every time it feels like that, like a good song results. So
1: And I feel like I feel like I was a little Minnesota centric with my drive to Mankato. You know, if you're <laughs> If you're in Boston, you're going to Portland, Maine. You know, like, I think this, this would be a good one to throw on. Omaha to Lincoln. Omaha to Lincoln. Um, you know, Fayetteville to Little Rock. Somewhere in
0: the north of L.A. to somewhere slightly less <laughs> in the north
1: of L.A. La Brea Tar Pits to LAX. <laughs> 15th Street in Manhattan to 20th Street in Manhattan. <laughs> I guess that's Yes, if you're going from Central Park to MoMA, <laughs> and you're it's, driving,
0: it's a great album to be stuck in traffic to. Um, let's see, what do I got? So, you can live at home. You know, jumping to the end. This really makes me. This whole listen, like throughout the, throughout the album, I really appreciated just like Bob Mould is a great songwriter but Grant Hart has this like weird gear that Mould does not have and like I think they both benefit from the presence of that but, like Hart just goes to some weird fucking places like just sonically not even like not not lyrically just like you know the whole like loop like you can have that 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 like just weird shit happens on Grant Hart's songs that you, you can
1: almost see Mold scowling yeah. at, yes. at, at the run through,
0: and like the the same way that I said that like Mold's drive probably made him a pain in the ass to be around. I, I, I can see that like Hart's whimsy also probably made him a pain in the ass to be around, but but essential when
1: combined, right? Yeah, like it's like you can't. I mean, if I. If whimsy is a great word for it because I, I feel like if, that, if there's one thing Bob Bold's missing, it's whimsy. It's whimsy.
0: I, you know, I was thinking.
1: I was saying that, like,
0: part of what made Hooskerdoo great was, like, the wider emotional range from other hardcore bands. Um, I do think, like, the emotion they're mostly missing most of the time is happiness. <laughs> And like when it when something close to happiness creeps in, it's from Grant Hart, like for sure. The, the most you're gonna get from Bob Mould is like contentment with concern that the contentment isn't gonna last
1: or revenge. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that's you know I, I maybe that's part also why I like. Who's going to do better than any of their solo work? Just like yeah. the, the blending of sensibilities.
1: I mean, I think I think you kind of hit it on the head. Like, it just is, it's everything you want from the two, I mean, not New Shade on, you know, Greg Norton, but Greg Norton's does not have a, a lot of work to, solo work to, yeah. to sort of build, to evaluate. But I think, you know, the sum, when the sum is more than the parts, like, that's what makes a great team. Yeah, yeah, that's...
0: You see it over and over. I uh, I love the comics of Jack Kirby. I kind of respect Stan Lee. I really like the comics they made together.
1: Sometimes combinations work better. Um I was trying to think of a, a of a comic that you wouldn't like that I could bring up. <laughs> How do you feel about the guy who wrote Hagger the Horrible? Hack. Yeah.
0: Hack the Horrible. Huh? Uh, um, but the 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 first non specifically children's book I ever bought was a Hager the Horrible collection. Huh? So, uh, but I, I was living in a fucking Danish colony then, so true. You know, life uh, like just the idea about oh my god Vikings. It was it was a skewed view. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. <laughs> yes.
0: Anything else on? The I don't songs think so. Of, no. Okay, if you had to pick a favorite song,
1: what'd you pick? Yeah, great question, really great question. I want to say I'm going to go with uh, "Could You Be the One" is my favorite.
0: That is a banger. What would you choose? I uh, probably "She Floated Away" with mm-hmm. the slight hedge that "Standing in the Rain" is pretty much
1: as good. Just uh, I, you know, every time I listen to this album or i hear a song from this album because i I mean i don't listen to albums a lot yeah i it just always brings me back and i was it's always like a a positive memory yeah i was i don't know it's uh i it's a really good album
0: it is i corny as it is i honestly i honest to god feel like i assembled a lot of my idea of what it's like to be a an adult and B a person living in Minneapolis, like from this record, like like I just, you know, this was formative to me in a way that a lot of other records weren't. Um, but I don't even think it's the best. Like I love it, but I think New Day Rising is probably a better record.
1: New Day Rising is a really good record, and I mean, it depends how you count live albums. No, but The Living End is is
0: intense. pretty amazing. it's really good
1: it's uh make sure you drink a gatorade beforehand
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes um okay well that i believe is it for warehouse thanks for listening to us um you're on the seat what do we got next
1: we based on the fact that i think uh, you can live at home is uh sounds like a talking heads record (laughs) And the only Talking Heads record that I really listen to is Stop Making Sense. I okay. thought it'd be fun to do a an actual Talking Heads record. Okay. Um, I think that's more of a greatest hits type of yeah. vibe. Um, so we're gonna do Remain in Light. Okay. Talking Heads. Excellent. I that's the
0: one That's the one that Adrian Ballou plays on, right? I think. I think so. Cause I, I I gotta go back. I, I remember when he was on, Maron's show, like I just thought, oh my god, he's really cool. And when he was talking about Talking Heads, that was really cool. And like, gotta check that out.
1: Yeah, no, I thought it'd be uh, it'd be fun. It, uh, I'm trying to find ones where I, I don't have a lot of familiarity with the yeah. work. it's funny.
0: I remember, by I got. Remain in Light from Columbia Record Company. Oh, for you know? real. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, what is this? So, uh, you know, and I've gone back to it since, but like that's always kind of colored the, my, my.
1: The funny record. thing is, is when you totally get proven wrong, because like I, I like to make like declarative statements, like, yeah. this, is t- this is garbage. And then you go back and you're like, this is actually a pretty good record. God like, damn it and you got it like weren't you the guy who said yes that was me (laughs) yes
0: i will eat some crow and my shoe here thank you um yeah no that'll be that will be really good um like i said spotify spotify seems to be wanting me to listen to the talking heads so uh you know it's doing what it wants uh in the meantime uh that's it for warehouse thank you for listening to us um, I am Keith Pilly. You can find me. So I've always said on Twitter at Keith Pilly, but I th- I don't know how long Twitter is going to be. It's just every well, first of all,
1: that. it is called X now, yeah, sir. You,
0: Jesus Christ, you're right. I am on the site formerly known as Twitter at Keith Pilly. I'm on Blue Sky. If you do Blue Sky, um, I you know my old Twitter act, my old X act is there. Um, where can if people want to come after you? Uh, they can you know. come
1: after me at, at cook six two five two at Twitter or X, and also cook six two five two at Blue Sky. Uh But Keith actually has another uh, project that he neglected to he neglected to promote.
0: That is true. If you are, th- thanks for reminding me. Um, if you're listening, I um, depending on how you want to interpret it, I am either. Presenting deep, authentic, real research on a bunch of psychedelic bands who existed in Sioux City, Iowa, in 1972, after David Bowie was um, stranded there briefly. Or I am making up a story about what would have happened if that happened. Um, you can choose either way. Um,
1: just I choose to believe.
0: It's. Uh, I mean, it's. It's right there. Uh, just look for uh, a show called Forgotten Scenes in whatever podcast app you're on and uh, you can you can get the story um, in the meantime with this story um, track us down and we would love to hear from you if there's anything you would like or don't like uh, if you think we're a couple of jabronis um, also please spread the word about the show I, I know that people are doing that and I love that people are doing that so thank you people and um, Review us if you can. The algorithms, dig that. And uh, talk to you again soon when we dig into Remain in Light. Adios.